Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to Mets 360 here on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Brian Jora. And big news in Mets land today. They just announced that uh, Sandy Alderson, general manager of the Mets, has signed an extension. And uh, we'll bring on our guest, Peter Kreutzer, here in just a second. But I want to go off on a, a little monologue here about Alderson. You know, I'm, I'm happy that he's back. I think he does more good things than he does bad things. But the thing that gets me is in the, making the announcement today, they made uh, – uh, no, no further details uh, about either how much he's going to get paid or how long the the contract is for have been revealed, and I think that stinks. You know, when a when a player signs a contract, we'll find every single minute detail, including uh, how many. Um, how many clauses he has, incentive clauses he has in his contract, or if there's things that pro- that he's prohibited from doing, yet we don't even know how long the contract is for Sandy Alderson. All right, so uh, I'll get off my little soapbox here. Peter, uh, thanks for rejoining us here on the on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Brian. All right, well, let's get right to it. Um, you know, Mets fans are unhappy with their uh, team's payroll situation, uh, reportedly going down from last year's payroll, which I believe ranked uh, 11th in opening day payroll numbers. Do you think this is a legitimate complaint for uh, Mets fans? I, you know, I think it's, it's absolutely a legitimate complaint. You have to look at how your team is approaching any season um the the Mets are the the second dog in the in this giant market in in New York but uh, you know if there were to be an expansion the New York market would be the best place for a new a new team the best um financial opportunity is here for a third franchise the Mets should be able to compete and should be able to spend money with the big boys that they can't you know it goes back to uh some the, the Wilpons financial issues and and uh, you know that that's something that's not really a baseball issue. Um, the Mets had the seventh most revenue in baseball last year. Um, the money is there for them to spend it. On the other hand, there's um, lots of evidence that teams, even wealthy teams, should manage their budgets so that they save money in their non-contending years, so that they have more money to spend in the years when they really are going to go for it. And the problem for the Mets and, and Mets fans this year is that it's hard to tell if they're contending or not. And if they had, if they spent more money, would they actually be able to contend this year? Does it improve their chances of contending? And um, they've gotten young. So now they have um, in, in uh, Smith and, and uh Rosario, they have you know young players who are totally unproven, and then they have uh, you know question marks all over the place in terms of the uh, offense, um, and and then real big questions about the pitching in terms of health and and who you know where in their cycles are they all going to come back and and is the potential that we saw last year that didn't be realized is it going to arrive? So with all those questions, it kind of makes sense to me. You know, maybe not load up this year. Maybe see what you can get out of this team. Um, maybe make a move if they get off to a good start. 
um, if there's cutting payroll right now for next year to to save up for next year when they have a better idea of how things are going to work, that's I'm a, I'm okay with that. I can live with that. But the problem has been that they don't really seem to have a, a plan and they don't seem to have a willingness to spend the money when they need to, and that is, that is a problem. I think we have to differentiate between if if there's a, a plan or a willingness, as you say, or if it even goes further than that, if there's an ability. And I think that's the, the great unknown. I think everyone just assumes because they're playing in New York that they have the ability to have a, a Yankee-sized payroll. But we really have uh, owners who, who got in the position that they did through rather questionable means. They were extreme minority partners and then took advantage of a uh, tiny clause in the contract that uh, when uh, when majority owner um, – God, I'm blanking on his name now. Nelson Doubleday. When Nelson Doubleday um, was going to sell, they had to give first rights to um, Wilpons, and he he didn't do that, and he ended up having to sell uh, half of the majority of the the interest to Wilpons at an extremely unfair rate. And uh, and then on top of that, you have the whole Madoff scandal that the the owners were involved in. So there's real questionable, just because they own the Mets doesn't mean that they're, you know, they've got just hundreds of millions of dollars laying around. And they, they, they very well may not have uh, the money to, to operate the team like uh, fans would hope that they would. That, well, that is definitely true. I, the, it sort of looks to me like they have the um, the cash flow to do to spend more than they're spending, but the the Madoff situation has put them into a into a big um, that's a big problem off the field that um, is affecting them. And and um, and your point is well taken about the way they were capitalized in the first place, which was you know they're not the biggest fish in this pond at all, and that that's obviously an ongoing problem as well. Well, let's shift gears here a little bit and, and not talk about the owners, but talk about the players, something I think that all of us would much rather discuss. And, and one thing that, that's kind of been in the news a little bit is uh, Lucas Duda and the situation he finds himself in. Obviously, the Mets traded Duda last offseason, and he's a free agent now. But a couple of years ago, he turned down a, an extension that would have paid him uh, $30 million over three years, and I think there was also a team option in there as well. That would have covered uh, 2016, 17, and 18, and the option would have covered 19. And uh, Duda turned that down. The Mets offered it. He, he declined. So he's made roughly $14 million through arbitration the past two years, and he's a free agent now. And I don't think that anyone reading the tea leaves would expect him to get an average annual value of $16 million. So, I mean, it didn't work out for Duda. But was it a gamble worth taking on his part to reject that extension that was offered? I, I think it was. He um, he was had, had just had a, um, a twenty. I'm now I'm I'm uh, what year? In 2015, he had a, that was that his first big year or his um, his second big year? I I, I think 2000. 14 and 15 were his two big seasons. Okay, right. So coming off of 14, he he'd had a year where um, he he was uh, earned, he earned like 20 million plus for the for in terms of production you know, using the the WAR values, and um, and they offered the extension the next year, and I'm sure he looked at it and said, 
if I have another good year, I'm going to get a I'm going to get a better contract. Um, and he had another good year. Um, then he got hurt, and he's and and everything fell apart. But at the same time, he's so he's he's going to he's going to make a lot less than that thirty million dollars. He had a chance to make a lot more if he hadn't gotten hurt. And the fact is that even being hurt, he's going to end up making you know twenty two million or something over over this period, which is a lot of money. And um, and so you're kind of playing with the house money when you're when you're looking at that. Um, you can go for the big strike and and uh, and and hope that things work out. In his case, they didn't work out, but. Um, in terms of the money, he's not—he's not hurting. I—I I don't know. I'm not sure what the, how the opportunities are going to align for him um, this year. I saw that Yonder Alonso signed in, in Cleveland. Um, those those big sort of big swinging first basemen um, have limited opportunities. There's there's a lot of them out there. You know, it's kind of hard to feel sorry for anyone who's already pocketed $14 million plus and is likely to get uh, at least $5 million more this year. But I have to think that it was a, a really um, – it was a bad gamble on his part, even not taking into consideration the, uh, the market uh, uh, downturn, correction, whatever phrase you want to use, that happened with power hitters last year. All right, he couldn't have, have really forecasted that but it seems like he was going to be locked in in what salaries he was going to get through arbitration. So he was really counting on being able to maintain productivity and be able to, cap- to, to capitalize through free agency to make up for the money that he, he turned down in that contract. And it didn't work out, and you know sometimes you make decisions that don't work out, but I think that this is a decision that you can really question uh, even even without the benefit of hindsight if due to do the right thing, turning down that money. I mean, just given the the injury and, uh, I mean, he was a little bit of an older player too, so there was a chance that the production level wasn't going to increase. I mean, I know you want to believe in yourself and bet on yourself, but I'm thinking that uh, perhaps that wasn't the best choice he's ever made. That, that's a good point. I mean, it, there is a, um, a reasonable view, view that he had to look at those two good seasons and say these are, or look at the first one and say I'm, you know, I can't do this every year for the next five years. But I, you know, I think at the same time, I don't blame him for saying I can do this and I'm going to, I'm going to score. But you're absolutely right about uh, about the structure of the arbitration system and that he was locked in. He wasn't going to do a whole lot better than the. 20 million for the first two years of that contract. It was really what he got coming out of the free agent pool for one year that was going to make a make a difference. And and in this case, it, it's making the it's making the wrong difference. But um, he he could have seen that that um, he was basically going to have one shot at one one whack at it, and and it didn't work out. Another uh, big uh, player movement happened today, and that's with uh, Tampa Bay Rays star Evan Longoria being dealt to the Giants. What were your thoughts on that transaction? Well, my, my first my first reaction was um, it, that's crazy. That's a that's an insane amount of money for the Giants to be ta- taking on in salary. They they already have one of the highest payrolls in baseball, and, and a and kind of a terrible team. Um, I mean, it, it'll be better if. Bumgarner is healthy, and, and assuming Cueto has a better year, 
Um, but it's a team that's getting older. And, and, and then I realized that that's what the Giants have done for the last 15 years. They just get older. And then when they get older, all of a sudden they have these years that are kind of surprising. Um, and they've had more of them than anybody else. So um, Longoria is a perfect fit. He's a he's still an okay fielder. He's not um, he's not a you know a, a huge power hitter anymore, but he's 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 okay. He's he's fine. He's, he definitely makes them better. Um, and they have a shot this year to to contend for at least you know the wild card at least. And um, and that's that, so that's a somewhat aggressive move for them. What they gave up in terms of um, in Denard Span, I, I like, but the way he's paid by trading him away, they actually dropped back below the, the penalty zone. Um, Christian Arroyo is really young. He's not going to be helpful for this year in all likelihood. And he's, he hasn't shown a whole lot of power. As a, um, you know, We'll have to see. If he ends up being able to play shortstop, he might end up being a, a solid solid middle infielder if he ends up playing third base it's the bat i you know i don't i don't the bat has a long way to go to get there um so it, it in from that perspective it's it's like the giant way and um and and i it makes them better it makes them a better team this year so um that part of it you have to like now the mets were um one of the teams that were allegedly interested in Longoria. And to me, he's one of those guys whose name value far, far exceeds what he's likely to produce on the field, at least at this point in his career. I think at one point he was a, a great player who was on a great contract too. And, and now he's, he's a solid, decent, good player, whatever you want to phrase it as. But I don't know if he's worth that contract and and having to give up money to take on that contract and and that production, you know all I can say to the Giants, you 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 phrased it as it's the Giants being the Giants, the Giants way, and I say good luck to him. <laughs> right. Well, it, it, it's they've they've been doing it for so for so long. Um, it doesn't always work out, uh, and this. Um, I, it's hard to see this working out, but it is. It has worked for them, so um, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Now, another guy who the Mets have been um, connected with is uh, Cleveland second baseman Jason Kipnis. Uh, what's your take on Kipnis's uh, prospects for 2018? Well, he's um, he was hurt last year. He had a hamstring. It cost him a lot of time. He didn't. Um, he he uh he struggled for a bunch of it but he by the end of the season he was on a per at bad basis he was hitting with the same power he actually ran some um he he seemed okay he ended up in a funny situation in um in Cleveland where he couldn't play second base and he had to play center field for them which he hadn't done since he'd been in college um and I, I don't think the Mets would be bringing him in to play center field. I would certainly hope not. Um, if they bring him in to play second base, um, if they were to bring him in to play second base, I think he's going to be fine. He's he's a um, he's just I think he's just thirty. He's a, he's a you know he's got a good bat. He's a good fielder. Um, he's got a couple of years in him that are um, that are going to be solid middle middle class baseball and. Um, that's the reason to go after him. Um, the Mets have 
is Drupal Cabrera at second base right now, but um, I guess they could move him to third base and um, make Wilmer Flores sort of the uh, utility guy again. Um, Kipnis would be a real upgrade for the Mets. He's he's a much better player than Flores is, a much more productive player and a much, much better um, glove. So, um, and, and he would, you know, boost the Mets payroll some. So that would be, that would be, that would be a plus. There was an article over on Mets blog today where they were talking about the potential Kipnis acquisition. And one of the things that they threw out there was that Cleveland might be interested in uh, AJ Ramos. And if that was the case, that would certainly be something that I would be very much in favor of because Ramos is uh, arbitration eligible, and I believe the uh, the MLBTR projections have him somewhere in the neighborhood of a $9 million salary. So it wouldn't be quite as much as what Kipnis is, is pulling down, but it would largely offset it. Uh, I'm scared of, of the walk rate that uh, Ramos has. So if, if the Kipnis trade comes along with also getting rid of A.J. Ramos, I would uh, sign me up, I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> It sounds like it sounds like the, these talks have cooled off, but I guess there's no, just no way to know. They it sounded like a few days ago they were they were talking seriously, and um, I don't know, I don't know. But yeah, no, that's if if Cleveland would go for Ramos, I guess that would that is a, a good thing. That's those those uh, middle relief guys are getting a lot of money. Indeed. Now let, let's shift over to uh, the starting pitching uh, market, and there seems to be two top choices, and those being you, Darvish, and Jake Arrieta. And I want to know who do you think signs first among those two? Uh, I mean, uh, Darvish signs first, I think, because he's um, he's motivated. He's talking to to a lot of teams, and I don't really know what his demands are, but um, he's in demand by from a bunch of teams, and. I don't think he's holding out for uh, the entire bank. Arietta is holding out for the entire bank, and um, and he's a Scott Boris client. That it, it, it's going to drag on for a while for him, I think, in, um, unless somebody like makes a bold strike. And Arietta, all the indicators say, you know, he's not. He, there's a there's a danger there that he's um, he had that great year two years ago. He was he, he's okay. Um, but he's there. Are, there are warning signs there, and and uh, and so he's he's gonna. I think he's gonna go late. They're just gonna ring the market for everything they can get, and uh, and Darvish will probably sign pretty soon. Now, speaking of Darvish, you hear people say that uh, a player's postseason performance will either earn them or, or lose them uh, money on the the free agent market. Do you really think that uh, Darvish's uh, uh, performance in the playoffs in 2017 is is going to hurt his contract. I don't. I don't think so. I. I mean, it it definitely changes your perception a little bit. He looked. He looked so vulnerable in those games that, um, it, it like the the, the pitch the it, it just wasn't biting. He wasn't. Um, all the things that usually work for him weren't working for him. But um, I, I don't think any anybody seriously. Um, questions his ability at this point. Um, the the health issues are much bigger, and um, and we'll, we'll keep the length of his contract down, which is is why he's going to he's going to sign sooner, I think. All right, one one last Darvish question for you: Do you have a uh, front runner for the location for which team signs him? Well, um, 
I don't have a front runner. I, it sounds to me like um, the Rangers want him back, and um, I, that makes a lot of sense to me. But um, I, you know, I don't, I don't know from the, I, I don't have any inside information about like who's the, who's got the, um, any sort of hold on him or or where he's interested in signing. So, um, I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he signed with the Rangers, but. Uh, I think there's, there are a bunch of teams that are looking at him closely. So um, that's what I know. Earlier in the offseason, I speculated a, a, dark, a dark horse candidate to sign him, and that would be the Phillies, just because they had both the, the need and uh, the available uh, payroll space in order to, to, to make a big splash. But they kind of went in another direction. They signed uh, Carlos Santana to a, a three-year, $60 million deal. And uh, I have to think, I have to say that I thought that was uh, a little bit of a surprise. And I want to know, do you think that that was good value for the Phillies? Or do you look at that kind of a deal like uh, a few years ago when the Nats signed Jason Worth to, to what everyone assumed was uh, an inflated contract to, to show to everyone that they were now serious about uh, contending both uh, in the standings and for uh, top-notch players? Well, I, I think the Santana contract, the three years at $60 million is is a pretty fair price for him. He's, um, he's uh, you know, a, he's got a great eye. He, he um, makes a lot, a lot of – he walks a lot. He's got good power. He's um, he's a switch hitter. There's at this point he is not a he's not a one trick pony. He he can you know he could he could bat lead off. He can bat in the middle of the order. Um, there's a lot of pluses for him being on that team, and that team is a team that's very much in in a in a transition. They're a more ca- complete transition than the Mets are in. They they don't have the high upside on the pitching staff yet. But they have, um, but they have a lot of good, un, kind of unproven hitters uh, who are who are young. And Santana anchors that team and makes them better. If if Reese Hoskins can play left field for them, it's it, he makes Santana makes that team a lot better. Um, I, I was it's funny as I was I was looking at it, I was thinking that um, Darvish would be a great fit here. Like it, it, he takes that pitching staff which is a you know a bunch of a bunch of borderline guys and some guys who are just getting it together and turns it into a a much better um a much better staff and it's it's hard to predict that they could start actually competing this year but if they signed him for three years too um that could be the you know those santana and darvish could be the linchpins and um, and they would still have money. They would still have um, a lot of money to spend next year when they know better what their their needs are. And in a free agent market that is, you know, looks like it's going to be quite bountiful. So um, I think I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I, I I was when he signed with the Phillies. I was surprised because it seemed like they had a first. But um, but it, it if Hoskins can play left field, I think it, it, it definitely makes them a better team. Well, I mean, I think that's a, a pretty big uh, a leap right there. Uh, you, you're talking about uh, a, a Phillies outfield now that uh, is what Hoskins and then uh, uh, Herrera in center, and then um, God, who's the the, the third Alter one? Uh, Nick, and Nick Williams would be the 
Nick Williams and and Williams is horrible in in the outfield. He is he's not good, and I don't think Hoskins is going to be good either. And I mean, it just, it just seemed like a really strange signing to me for the Phillies because they had somebody who just seems like a natural first baseman already, who seems like he has some star potential, and then they're going to screw with him like the Mets did uh, ten years ago with Lucas Duda, and and try to force him into being an outfielder. And and it just seems like a giant mistake. And then you then you add to that that there, there was a glut of offensive first baseman available that uh, spending $20 million on Santana, while sure he may have been either the first or second best option when there was eight or nine legitimate options out there. If you had to have a first baseman, why would you choose to, to set the top of the market? I don't know. I, I thought it was crazy. Well, but that's kind of the point. You would not, um, you wouldn't displace Hoskins for Yonder Alonso. I mean, that would be that would be crazy, or or for, or for Lucas Duda for that matter. Like you, the you displace Hoskins because um, because you're getting a, a much better offensive player than um, than those other guys. I, I don't know that it, that it's the right move, but the the value is there. The, the Santana is worth the three years at 60 million, I'd say. And, um, and, and he's different enough that, um, that he would, he was going to get it from somebody, um, which is uh, Alonzo signed for, I think two years for 16. And, um, you know, which is reflects the year he had last year, which was kind of his first decent year. Um, Santana has a much more distinguished career and, um, Obviously, much more productive. I it is it it what I I have to say it this way that Santana the Phillies going out and signing and and actually this is what you just um, the way you phrased it is is right to go out and and set the market for this guy um, as as like one of the first big strikes in the in the is is odd that's that was an odd move but. Um, but in terms of the value of the of his contract and the potential addition to the team i do i think that it it could work out it but it, it is odd anyway that's it's odd <laughs> all right well as long as we're talking about uh, odd and crazy i think it's a great time to get our our crazy prediction segment in and i'm going to give you uh, my crazy prediction ask for your comment and then ask you to give me a crazy prediction of your own all right, mine is that uh, Dominic Smith uh, is going to win the first base job outright for the Mets and hit 30 home runs this year. How crazy is that? I don't. I don't think that's crazy. I think um, what we've seen in in terms of the home run hitting the last few years, the the um, 30 home runs. That's nothing. That's really nothing. And um, and Smith is is got so much potential, and it, obviously he looked not so good in in his in his uh time with the team last year but th- the potential is still there um whether it comes this year or not that's i mean i guess that's the crazy part it could easily come in 2019 um but he's the potential is all there that it might come this year it doesn't seem out of the question at all to me um okay so, you shot down mine so what what's your crazy <laughs> prediction well uh, it's it's funny. I um I it's like it feels way too early to have crazy picks, but 
I did, you know, do this um, GM simulation with you, and I spent a lot of time looking at the twins. And um, and I just think the twins have a team that is about to, you know, they flowered last year a little bit, but they could easily blow up if they, they, you know, there's been talk about Darvish signing with them. I don't I don't know how serious that is, but with if if Adalberto Mejia and and Jose Barrios like become decent pitchers, they don't have to be great great pitchers. If they if the Twins can add a, a, somebody like Darvish, who in the simulation I was not able to do, but I should have. That's what that was what my goal should have been. Um, that lineup is is incredibly strong and incredibly young, and that could be a very very good team. And I think they have a you know they have a, a chance to beat the uh, the Indians for the division title. If you know the yonder Alonzo led Indians for the division title, it's um, <laughs> it's crazy, but it's I think they have a, they have a decent shot if the if if the pitching is you know is is halfway decent. Yeah, you mentioned the the Twins as a potential landing spot for Darvish, and that to me makes all of the sense in the world. And I don't understand why they were shopping in in the the bin for uh, Michael Pineda who I think is their uh, big pitching off-season acquisition so far. But it seems like that's the, the avenue that they're going to pursue. And, and again, you know, I don't, I don't pretend to have any insight into the Twins' finances and how things are with, with their owners, but that, that just seems like it, it was just like the stars were aligned. It was like, well, God, here's a team in need of an ace pitcher to, to, to team with uh, Irvin Santana, and, and here's Darvish available for the taking, and it, it should have happened, and, and it didn't. But uh, the, the, the Twins uh, getting ready to explode, I, I, can, I can certainly see it with a little pitching help. So I'm sorry, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot down your crazy prediction as well. Well, we are all out of time. Uh, I'd like to uh, thank uh, Peter, even even though neither one of us were crazy this week. I, I hope that uh, we, we gave the, the listeners an, an informative 30 minutes today. Hey, thanks for having me, Brian. All right, and uh, please join us again uh, next Wednesday night at uh, 11 o'clock Eastern when uh, our guest will be uh, Mets 360 writer Matt Netter. Uh, until then, I hope everyone has a, a great uh, Christmas and holiday season, and uh, we will see you in a week. Good night and goodbye. <laughs>